We're live. Charlotte, North Carolina, Rock Hill, Gastonia, surrounding areas, all in the Carolinas, all in the USA. Welcome to this latest installment of Under Construction. I am your host, Jamal, the angry black fan, Darby, even though this week it might be Jamal, the exhausted black fan. But we'll get into that more a little later. First and foremost, to my Jamal immediate left. Black man. Right, right. To 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 my left, we have uh, the hostess with the most. The host with the most. Sorry, I didn't mean to call you a woman. Sorry, brother. <laughs> the host with the most. <laughs> Rodney, Rodney, Rob Pops Richardson. Sorry, brother. How you doing today, man? I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and last and certainly not least, man, my my brother in light skin uh, university, Mr. Kaza Sose. Kaza, what's going on, man? How's it going, brother? Still trying to get that degree from LSU. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, man. You almost there? Almost there. We, almost, you almost, yeah. almost, man. <laughs> it's hard. They keep setting us back, though. Maybe we. I think Genuine need to come out with an album or something, man. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how we're going to get ahead, bro. But, uh, fellas, maybe, go ahead, bro. Maybe one day y'all get y'all grad degree from uh, BSU, Brownskin University. Oh, stop. Oh, now we make it up stuff. <laughs> But, fella, but fellas, uh, before we went on today, man, we are uh, we pretty much had a, a brief discussion about how tired and exhausted we are. And that is going to be a prevalent theme for this show. Unfortunately, I have mentioned in the past before on, on, on previous under constructions how these type of shows for me personally, and I'm sure I'm speaking for y'all, are a little harder to do because, you know. I don't know about y'all, but doing this podcast is kind of a release for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, you know, we we want to get on here. We want to goof around. We want to talk around. We talk talk about sports. We want to talk about things that are not as serious most of the time. But here we are this week, and we just can't avoid it, man. You know what I mean? Here we are again, again, and again, and again, and again. So with that being said, <clears throat> we're going to kick the show off talking about the Milwaukee Bucks and the and their protests. And this was uh, help me out, fellas. Thursday night, I believe. Is that correct? Wednesday or Thursday? Wednesday yeah. or Thursday night? Yeah, one of one of those two nights, man. But the Milwaukee Bucks, who were uh, scheduled to uh, go against the the Orlando Magic, decided, you know what? We don't feel like playing basketball tonight. Uh, there's just more important issues going on. And that set off a trickle-down effect. Um, there were other teams who decided to not play. Kenny Smith walked off the TNT set. My Oakland Athletics and, and the MLB decided to take the day off as well. They also protested their game. Um, again, man, you know, just for a, a, a cause that, you know, man, we're, we're just tired of talking about. So with that being said, Kaza, you want to start us off on just how you feeling about the Bucks protest, uh, the trickle down effect, and just any thoughts in general about this whole thing? Yeah. So, uh, protests are always welcome, and I think this is something people were wanting to see from professional athletes as a whole for a long time. There's always been this idea that uh, professional, the influence of professional athletes is such particularly black professional athletes, that if we just all said, you know what, screw it, then there would be change. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't subscribe uh, exclusively to, to that idea. I think people overstate the influence of both the of both the professional sports leagues and black professional athletes. However, having said that, I am glad that immediately after the protest was followed by um, some a call to action. It wasn't just like you know what, we're protesting just to protest, which I said is always welcome. But if you protest or boy, or in this case, it was really like a strike without any goals uh, that you hope to achieve, then it ends up being me- uh, meaningless. Really, really it does. It's just an empty gesture at that point. But immediately after the players said, OK, we're going to have meetings, we're going to we're going to call in elected officials, we're going to call in politicians and we're going to talk about something and to me that that was more important than just the protest in itself saying we're not just going to protest but hey we're actually going to do something because my initial thought was well that's great but they're not going to do anything about it at least they tried now we did see in the end that um nothing really came to fruition and i think that what ended up happening and there's there's a lot of debate right now over what did happen what was said behind those closed doors 
in order for the players to decide to resume the season, which actually was a surprise to me. I was surprised that they said, okay, we're going to come back on Saturday right, and right. play. I think that um, – I think sometimes you realize the powers that be, the systems of oppression cannot be fought by conventional means. The same people that tell these athletes to shut up and dribble would be happy to see the NBA fold. This was this was a win for that side as far as they are concerned. Anyone who supports um, the actions of the police, police brutality, the actions of Kyle Ritten, whatever, those people, those people were happy to see the NBA say, no, we're not going to dribble anymore because, <laughs> oh, well, we don't care because all you're good for, to, for us is just to dribble a basketball anyway. I think the players realized that and said, okay, we need to regroup. That's why you're seeing elder statesmen like uh, Isaiah Thomas step in and say, okay, you guys can go back to playing basketball. We'll take it from here. We're, we're the ones with uh, this league influence. We don't really know what Michael Jordan's um, role is exactly in this, but I think it's safe to say that nobody in the league and the history of the league has had more influence than Michael Jordan, it, it, you know, except maybe uh, LeBron James or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So to see him get involved is very important. And so now I'm interested in, okay, what are what are the actions going to be? I also like that the other professional sports leagues showed some solidarity. Yeah. Even, even the, the NHL yeah. uh, decided to – they didn't go full out of that, but that's interesting because the NFL or the NHL is comprised primarily of white international players. For So for that league to say, <laughs> you know what, they're right. There are bigger things in playing sports right now. We're just – we're just too tired. And I think the NBA players are just like, I'm, I mean, how could you play a game with all that happened on the back of your mind? Right. I, I'm, I'm certain that especially. You, 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 mean, you mean how can normal human beings who have compassion right, play? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right. A lot of times we forget that basketball players, they're just like us. They just have a special ability that the rest of us don't have. So especially, you know, everything that happened in their home state, I, I can't imagine the Bucks would go out there and be able to give 100% knowing in the back of their mind another unarmed black man gunned down by police in a senseless manner. And then a few days after that, someone actually going to a protest, uh, obtaining an, a weapon illegally, crossing state lines illegally with that weapon and killing two protesters. That's just so much to process. I can't imagine saying, okay, well, let's go out and play, play this game which really has right. no meaning at that point right. so uh so i'm i'm interested in the bigger picture okay so this sparks some discussion and awareness okay that's great now what's next and right. this is this is really where we need to hear from i'll say this about isaiah thomas i had a a, a facebook debate with a good friend of mine about <clears throat> about isaiah thomas specifically versus michael jordan and um you know, Isaiah Thomas was, he was saying, you know, all of these on target things. And my thing was, oh, that's great. Anyone can say anything. What's the action, though? Yeah. What's the action? Um, and, I was just going to say, Michael Jordan, you know, is, is always this uh, polarizing figure when it comes to his, uh, his social awareness. But when I look at what needs to be done in professional sports, and we talk about this on the show, getting black people in people of color minorities into these roles of influence no one's done it more than michael jordan true it's fact it's fact so, yeah so for me to question what he's doing now seems a little that's a little remiss i so yeah. because he's taken action in the past now we what what happens now remains to be seen uh i will say though for isaiah thomas he did have a plan of action he talked about me kareem abdul jabbar he mentioned some other coaches people in the league here are the people we're going to talk to we're going to start these coalitions uh so hopefully there is fruit born of that labor um we'll and, just have to see and, and real quick rodney before i let you go man um there, there's something i wanted to bring up real quickly man i i saw a clip on youtube from steven jackson and i also i also saw chris weber on cnn a couple nights ago and, and basically they were saying 
the same thing, but in different ways. And and they were saying that, you know, the decision to go ahead and, and, and play these games, um, it doesn't negate the fact that these players actually do have a plan going forward. Uh, this was actually heavily influenced by our former president, Barack Obama and Michael Jordan. Um, Steven Jackson went as far as to say, like, you know, the plan you know, it, it won't be something that'll be showcased. It won't be something that the fans will see outright, but there is a plan in place. And these players are talking and, and, they, and all these players kind of came to the conclusion. It is better to, to, uh, you know, to go ahead and play and to have our platform and allow our voices to still be heard. So I think that's important to know just in case anybody's wondering, well, why are they playing? They should shut it down. And, you know, I don't, what does this really do? Just know that the players are going to do something. We may not know exactly what that is. Uh, Rodney, uh, go ahead if you have some thoughts, sir. Um, I think is I, I, I think Milwaukee sitting out was, was kind of symbolic. I mean, if you go back in the past couple of years, uh, the Bucks have had two ins two public incidents where uh, their players have been racially profiled. Uh, yeah. You look at Sterling Brown last year was is December twenty eighteen, he was tased and, and and illegally detained for parking illegally, and right. then and, and, and then the uh, the actual officer who did that uh, had disparaging Facebook posts about it, mocking him. And then before that, it was John Henson, who was in a jewelry store purchasing some jewelry. He was profiled. And so to me, it was kind of the perfect storm for, for, for Milwaukee to actually take that stand. Milwaukee as a city is it's, 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 it's a very poor city. And also, Milwaukee has some of the highest rate of uh, black uh, eviction rates uh, as far as black single mothers. And so M Milwaukee is, is, is kind of a hotbed. Um, Let me ask you this real quick. Real quick. Yeah. As a black person in America, when you hear Milwaukee or Wisconsin in general, what do you think? Because I'm like. I, I don't think black like, people. I don't think a lot of black exactly. people. I, I, I'm like, right. I don't want to go to Wisconsin. Yeah. So uh, that's not surprising, those statistics you just gave. And, and and then and then and then another thing, I, I don't fault the NBA players for actually going back to play. Um you look at it like this, they could have jeopardized their their actual like players player bargaining deal uh by simply sitting out and the owners could have it could could have interpreted that as uh protesting or or a strike and that, that could have voided their deal. And, and, and then also the players agreed to come back for to to, to utilize their platform. Um, I, 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 I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be quite honest. The NBA's ratings are declining. It, it, it could be due to streaming and, and other avenues, but the NBA's audience is still gonna watch regardless. The NBA is gonna keep their same audience. Absolutely. And so, I mean, I I don't fault the players for that. Um, I'm glad they 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 got together and and and, and, and kind of came up with a plan. Uh, I know one thing that uh, came from the plan was that uh, all the arenas in, in each city was going to be a uh, polling station for for the uh, election on, on November third. So each arena will will, will uh, be able to uh, to hold people for the elections, and then also the owners are going to. Uh, the owner's going to take more of initiative, more more of an initiative to actually give back to their communities, which they should be already doing. But the the, the NBA players are I'm, I'm I'm proud of them that they're wielding their power. They they're actually utilizing their voice and their platform. All right. And and just to kind of drive this point home, man, and I, I want to talk about kind of the the trickle down effect. And we're we're going to get to our own home team in a second, who also. Um, you know, just kind of cancel practice for the same reasons. Um, we also saw the Detroit Lions cancel their practice. Um, and, 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 I, and I just wonder, like, just going forward, because unfortunately, man, we sit here this week. Who's to say next week something else won't happen? And then the next week after that. <coughs> so I'm just interested in seeing the real trickle down effect, especially with the NFL, with the NFL season in play, who probably has no cancels to adjust anything other than social distancing with their crowds. As far as I know, y'all could correct me if I'm wrong. 
I am interested in seeing and particularly how NFL players use their voices like the NBA players are to bring about social change. Fellas, what do you think about that? What do you, how, do, how do you – will there be any difference in the NFL as far as how the NBA players are doing this? What do you guys think about that? Um, honestly, there, there's going to be a big difference, man. Um, the NFL probably has the weakest, like uh, – Union. Union in all of pro sports. And a lot of those contracts aren't guaranteed, and the rookies don't make as much money. So you have to have these, these, these young kids sacrificing – and I honestly don't see that as far as NFL, man. I, I, I really don't. Um, I don't think much changed in the NFL. The NFL, as far as their their social status, they might be a little more aware, and we've seen statements of recent, particularly from Roger Goodell, talking about uh, you know how they feel like they missed the end of the Colin Kaepernick situation, but it feels like crocodile tears, doesn't it? Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah no doubt. Well, this doesn't feel very sincere. It might be sincere, but it doesn't we, feel that right. It, 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 and honestly, it doesn't matter at this point. It, exactly. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. 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 So the, the only way to rectify that is by making change moving forward. But I, and this is something I've always said about the NFL when black friends of mine are like, dude, how can you continue to watch the NFL? The NFL is not like a monolith. The NFL is 30 small to large businesses uh, that all have a buy into this this league. The, Car- the the Carolina Panthers and anyone who follows the Panthers will tell you this are far more progressive than maybe any other team in the league under our new ownership. It's it's, it's far far different what they're doing in the community, uh, the 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 way they allow the players to handle themselves and make statements. Something uh, Eric Reed would have never been here under the Jerry Richardson regime, no. but it never, ever happened. Uh, so when it comes to the NFL, I think we might start to see some change from these from the, the individual teams, uh, maybe allowing players to protest or giving players more freedom. I don't even see that happening too much, you know, too much, but the, the league as a whole, um, I don't, as far as social awareness is concerned. Now, to Ronnie's point about the uh, collective bargaining agreement, yeah, it is fairly weak. But the the problem is uh, that things were kind of out of whack with the old collective bargaining agreement. You had guys yeah. like Dan Branford making, you know, $70 million. We'll never go back to that. And that was actually very bad for the league. And the league is so afraid of going back to that. Um, I, I do think the biggest thing the players need to fight for is guaranteed contracts in the NFL. If, yeah. if any sport should have them, it's the NFL. The owners will fight that tooth and nail because of the the physical nature of the NFL. You pay someone a guaranteed contract and they twist their ankle, and that could be their career right there. So uh, you know they have a lot to to talk about on that. So, 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 Kaza, what you're saying is that we have an entity that is unwilling to relinquish power, even though it may not, it may be logical to do so. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, I just wanted to make That's sure. How All right. That's how power struggles happen. <laughs> I'm gonna just say this one thing: if the NFL were to operate like the NBA, that'd be the most powerful thing out here, man. I'm telling you. I agree. Because that 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 the actual sphere of uh, influence in the NFL is wide ranging, man. It it, it the it, NFL it, is so powerful. I don't I don't think they feel like they need to. If anything, from from a pure capitalism standpoint, mm-hmm. right? Because I want to talk about the financial impact. Yeah, right? Go ahead. NBA yeah. needs to be doing whatever the NFL is doing because for some reason, despite everything, the NFL is still the number one major North American team sport. It's it's mind-boggling, actually. It's baffling how the NFL continues its popularity despite everything. Everything, right? And and, and that's and that's what I, I don't think we've talked about enough because you know, Kaiser, you mentioned earlier about the the players coming back so quickly, which also was a surprise to me as well. I I, I thought we would at least go through the weekend without seeing any playoff games. Yeah, same. right. Yeah. right. And and you know I don't know how realistic this ever was, but but I but I, I do want to mention this. Let's just say, just for argument's sake, the NBA players decided, you know what, 
we are all not going to play for a set amount of time, you know, maybe whether it be half a season, full season, whatever, you know what I mean? And, and to your point, Kaiser, you know, the powers that be would say, all right, fine, fold your own league. However, financially, how, how would that financially impact like NBA cities like a Charlotte, like yeah. Memphis, like Sacramento, looking at big picture, would a real boycott be beneficial? What do you guys think about that? But you know what? I thought I thought about that. Okay, so let's say players go to these city leaders and say, look, we're not going to play. You can fold the team. You can do whatever, and it's going to hurt our city's economy. Therefore, you need to listen to what we have to say. And it makes sense on paper. But think about our own city. Would anybody really care? And I'm going to be keep it 100, y'all. A lot of people won't. Most people won't. If the Panthers up and left town tomorrow – the vast majority of taxpayers in Charlotte would not care. They wouldn't. I mean, think about what it took just to get the Bobcats to come back after we lost one of the most, probably the most successful in terms of money and support, one of the most successful expansion franchises in the NBA up to that point. Eight years selling out games, attendance records year after year, and the Hornets weren't even like a great, great team. They leave the city. And fans didn't want another one. The NBA was going to, it's like, hey, we're holding a one-team expansion, Charlotte. And that was it. And fans balked. It was like we we had to overturn the, the, the citizen vote just to get Time Warner Cable Arena. So, I, I think it, it is important to know. However, it is, I, I think it's, this, is, this needs to be said. I think there was a certain faction of people that did not want the NBA, the NBA team back. However... However, let's just say both professional teams left tomorrow. There's anybody with common sense knows the financial impact that that would make. You, you get what I'm saying? So yeah. people, so people may not think they know what they want or don't want, but at the same time, we have to be sensible and say, you know what? All right, financially, we we take yeah, a pretty big hit, man. The city, the city leaders would not want that financial hit of right. a professional sports franchise leaving your city. I think some of the fans, even even fans that aren't, or when I say fans, citizens, that aren't in that demographic that you were talking about, a lot of those people don't watch sports now because they're kind of disenfranchised with it. I, I think the younger generation is not like we were on sports. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a lot of friends, actually, who are just not into sports. Um, it's and I, I think that might be what happened in in Milwaukee. Milwaukee's not like a huge metropolitan center, um, but don't but don't get it twisted. They love the Bruins. They love oh, their man. Packers. You know what I mean? I don't. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. So and they probably I'm pretty sure they love the Bucks now. So yeah. So um, go ahead. No, you go. Oh, you go, go ahead, Ronnie. No, you got it, guys. No, I, well, Rodney, I wanted to get your thoughts on what do you think of. Uh, a long-term boycott would look like, and would that make sense? A long-term boycott. I, I mean, to me, it it wouldn't really make sense because you're losing money, um, and a lot of the players now they're they're already they're already giving back to their communities. A, a lot, like like I, I, I can say this with confidence: the NBA is probably one of the most. Uh, Community involved, community involved, yeah, league in, in, in the world right right now. And, and real quick, real quick, because Wallace on my brown, he may cut you off. Shout out to Stephen Jackson, Jeff McGinnis, and Rasheed Wallace for your march on Betis for Roll last week. We forgot to mention that. Big shout out to y'all. Um, need more like you, but go ahead, Rodney. I just wanted to get that off my chest real quick. Oh, you good? You good? I mean, and the, and then and, and, and if the NBA players did a long term boycott, that could help rewrite. The uh, the collective bargaining agreement to adversely affect them, right. and then you're taking money out of their pockets, and that limits the money they can actually give back to the community. So that's how I see it. I mean, there are different ways you can do it. I mean, if, if you're an NBA player, for instance, you have access to more millionaires and billionaires than the average black person does. Right. You can build those relationships to help them give back to the community and kind of be that silent hand in the background that that's, that that's continuing to give back. Yeah. I mean, there, 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 there are multiple ways to actually skin a cat. So 
Mm -hmm. I don't I financially I, I don't see that as a viable option to me. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, show me. So all right, fellas, one one thing you know I have to talk about. This is this was not like a a subject we were planning on talking about today, but just to kind of spin off of what we've been talking about. Uh Charlotte Hornets owner Michael Jordan uh has been reported that he was a huge liaison between the <coughs> owners and the players. Now, for those of us who actually click on articles and actually read them, um, you know, there, there was not a lot of, of, you know, there was not a lot of information as to exactly what was said and exactly what Michael Jordan's role was other than being a li liaison. However, there is one statement that Michael Jordan made that was mentioned in an article that stood out to me. It He was reported telling the other owners, you know what? It is time for us to basically shut up and listen. listen. Now, in my opinion, and again, again, we're not there. We don't have intel. The article didn't mention it. But what it sounds like is, you know, we're talking about power and owners relinquishing power, 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 power. Michael Jordan, who is in their seat, literally, <laughs> who is literally in the owner's seat. Now, he's not a player anymore. He took a step and saying, you know what? Let's let's forget about our money and our power for a second and let's listen to these players and what they have to say. Again, with without a lot of info and a lot of um, a lot of intel, what do you guys think about that? He has a, a unique perspective. He is the only uh well, the only black male um owner in the NBA. He's 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 one of two minorities, uh the other minority being the uh Kings owner. Uh, he was a former player, and then on top of that, he's a black man, and so he can he he knows how these billionaires think, right? And my estimation is he he's trying to kind of kind of uh, get them to relate to the actual uh, players and just kind of humanize their efforts to them so that they can get involved in their respective communities, right? Totally agree with that. Kaiser, what you got? Someone in the Hornets group that someone who I normally disagree with, but they actually said something that I'm like, you know what? That's right. He said uh, he, he thinks the players respect Michael Jordan, but the owners do not. And mm. I totally, totally see that. And I think Michael Jordan knows that. And this is a smart move. You get the collection of workers behind you and you are much stronger than if you are an advocate for your peers. Michael Jordan knows that if he gets Giannis, uh, Tanamakupo, LeBron James, KD. Russell Westbrook, Kyrie, Chris Paul. If he gets those guys behind him, the power structure of the owners weakens. And uh, I, I think that's, that's, that's actually really, really good for the league because then it allows Michael Jordan's influence to permeate. You're going to start to see more – uh, black people. Fred Whitfield, the only, the only COO, black COO in NBA history. The only one. Wow. Been, which is is mind blowing. And Michael Jordan is he's not just the only black NBA owner. He's the only black owner in sports. Professional sports majority team yep. in in the four major North American sports. Um, so if he starts influencing people, I think you might would see that in the NBA because the owners want to keep the players happy. Look at a guy like Mark Cuban. You know, he's all about keeping his players happy. And if his players are like, man, well, you know, hey, look what Mike's doing over in Charlotte. Can we do that? Right. I think you might see someone like Mark Cuban acquiesce to the players. Right. And what's to me, yeah, you know, and I, I saw a statement on Twitter, you know, somebody was saying, well, Michael Jordan is not going to do something that's not in his best interest, because, again, they didn't understand the context of the article. And that kind of blew my mind. I was like, well, you know, you got to understand Michael has everything to lose as far as respect from other owners and him being at the bottom of the totem pole, so to speak, when it comes to billionaire owners. So to me, that statement didn't really make a lot of sense. But Oh, no, My, Michael Jordan is a dragon on a mountain of gold, actually. Right. Human form. That's just that's an illusion. That's a dragon. Protecting him from the gold. Right. I, I, I forgot. He is yeah. the grand wizard that makes everything happen. I and I forgot how magical he was for a second. <laughs> Fellas, uh, we all we also have uh, another 
another prominent figure, so to, I, I guess a, another coach um, in this city, Matt Rule, uh, who decided that it was best for the Panthers to cancel practice. I believe this is on Friday, if I'm if if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, yesterday. or yesterday, right? <clears throat> but Matt Rule just decided, you know what? Uh, it, it's 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 we're not going to do this. And um, the, uh, there was a Panthers player player who was anonymous who was quoted as saying. Uh, we are working to implement themselves in the communities for consistent change. I know that can be uh, that's a convoluted statement, but fellas, what does that mean to you? What is what is what how 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 can the players implement themselves to the communities for consistent change? What what would that entail? Um, looking at Charlotte, uh, we've had we've had this discussion before. We was uh, we, we were ranked 50 out of 50th in economic mobility. Right. Uh, I can see the Panthers player uh, partnering up with community uh, community company companies within the community, uh, Fortune 500, to actually kind of ease the burden on people. Uh, we have a housing crisis. Uh, the players would would would, would basically kind of fill in the gap of, of the needs of the community. So I actually applaud this effort. Yeah, Kyle, what you got? It has to be more than just uh, these publicity. Yeah, events these these PR events, you have to really really be doing work on the ground. I, one of the things the Panthers are going to miss about Cam Newton is he was always on the ground. We didn't even always know By that him, action, but right. kids are going to miss him here to come Thanksgiving. There are some some families in need that are going to miss Cam Newton down there giving dinners out to everyone in West Charlotte. That that's the kind of stuff the Panthers need. They need that from everyone. They need everyone to be that kind of steward for your community. Um, I, I know it's, it's sometimes it's hard for NFL players because a lot of them are not from Charlotte and they don't understand the the, the, the growth and the, the rise and the pitfalls of Charlotte over the last few decades. Um, but you so, so you just got to get in there and yeah. you just gotta get in there and constantly be thinking about how does this impact the community? What can I do for the community? I, I think that would go a long way in uh, how the fans view the NFL as a whole also. And, and look, I, I, I will not start a Cam Newton tangent. I promise I will not, but I, I <laughs> and I will, I will strongly <laughs> resist doing so. Uh, however, you know, I, it, it was kind of profound for me to see uh, Cam Newton on Pfeiffer Street a lot. Now, for those of you who don't know where Pfeiffer Street is at, it is uh, the, the street that is downtown where a lot of uh, homeless people, it, yeah. there's a wall there. And they, I believe the, uh, God, I, I, I can't remember the name of the building, but there are a lot of homeless people who sit in front of, on this wall in front of this building who are hungry, who are in need, anything you can think of. And Cam Newton was on that street literally all the time, handing out food, doing whatever he could to, ha to help these people. You didn't see that a lot. Now, how that relates to the Panthers, my perception may not be reality, I just don't think I saw that enough from the Panthers as a whole. Now, specifically, what I would want to see, we we are listen. Let, let me let me make drive this point home. Charlotte, we percolate between the first and the third capitals of bank. We are the capital banking center of America. We are between one and three. We 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 go through that all the time. Why is it that Bank of America? Who, whose name is on the damn stadium, <laughs> can't partner with the Carolina Panthers to fight upward mobility and not just it, don't 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 get look. I, I don't want to say don't get don't get it wrong. I don't want to sound insensitive, but can we go past not just feeding homeless people, which is a great thing. Don't stop that. But can we be more intricate in fighting the upward mobility battle? See. Uh this is my thing. In corporate America today, we don't have any more human calls who were generous in their giving, uh, dedicated to one place. I mean, Brian Moonahan, he he's 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 not even in Charlotte. The the the, uh, the actual CEO of Bank of America, he's more more so in Boston and New York than he is in Charlotte. Right. I mean, so I mean, does he really have that connection? But, but you look at places like Linden Tree. Uh, truest and stuff like that you can probably get them more so than the bank of america 
But I mean, it's 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 a generational shift, man. Like these new type of CEOs, they don't. It's our society is more about self. I mean, if if, if you if you even go out nowadays, people don't even want to wear a mask. It's not even going to hurt you to wear a mask. People <laughs> right. are more concerned about themselves, and it's it's that's that that's just how society is nowadays, man. Kaz, you got anything on that, buddy? Yeah, is that's. That's gonna that would take a huge paradigm shift to suddenly get Bank of America to care about you know something like upward mobility mainly because it it forces them to realize uh, the look at hiring practices made right their hiring practices uh, hello their their loan practices which they're constantly under your cost your company's constantly under investigation for denying minorities loans based on their race. You would think you'd want to get ahead of that, especially with the climate, political climate nowadays. So, uh, you know, it it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that they're not they don't really care that much. The the the, the, the hit to them is insignificant. Mm-hmm. If if they sit back and do nothing, what's gonna happen? Bank America, nothing. second largest bank in the world. Nothing's gonna happen. Like. Nothing's oh, gonna oh, oh! Tell us what's gonna happen next time they get in trouble. The government's gonna bail them out. Oh yeah, definitely. See, so so here's we'll get twelve hundred dollars check. Where a boycott would act would would really work if all of these, let's say the players said, "Hey, all you owners and uh, facility managers and elected officials that have your millions of dollars with Bank of America and Wells Fargo, pull that money out." Oh, then you'll start seeing change. What happens if Michael Jordan, who probably banks with Bank of America, takes his billion dollars and moves it over to random black-owned bank? Now, that'll right. never happen. But what if he did? And then somebody, Mark Cuban followed suit, and all these people start shifting their money around, and the Bank of America stock starts looking kind of, Funny. Kind, of kind of weak. Then you might see Bank of America say, oh, hey, oh, hey what's going on? Hey, well, why, why, why are you guys doing this? I don't think like, that'll happen. Big America, they're gonna be like, we didn't realize the colors were in trouble. And y'all could correct me if I'm wrong, man, but I, I just kind of, I don't know. I, I remember a time where I felt like the banks, along with our sports teams, were, were just more in the community. We're in the community a lot more. It was I mean, a lot I more mean, visible. Jamal, Jamal, uh, Hugh McCall is gone. Wachovia no longer exists. Wachovia is Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo is based out of San Francisco. Right. I mean, I, I understand that they got a hub here, but they they, they don't really they're not connected. Really, they're not because really. Connected. Also, banks are no longer banks. They are corporations. They are yeah. financial institutions. They have stockholder shareholders. They have bottom lines that they have to meet. Now, banks used to be a community service. Hey, we will protect your money. We'll make sure the government insures it in return. You allow us to invest it, and then mm-hmm. that money that they invest is supposed to go back into the community. Uh, it's kind of, and it's kind of the idea with credit unions. Um, but banks, credit unions are, are what banks are supposed to be. Banks are these giant mega corporations. Yeah, they they just can't be bothered with uh, what they what they perceive to be local issues. All right, so fellas, I want to swing this back to the Panthers a bit, and I want to specifically talk about Matt Rule. I have a simple question when it comes to this. Um, With Matt Rule being the coach of the Carolina Panthers and the Panthers saying, you know what, we don't want to practice because we want to discuss social issues, does this endure Matt Rule more to the fans and the players? I mean, to the city of Charlotte, yeah. I mean, but to, like, Gatson County and – Cleveland County and Hampton <laughs> County. Yeah, no, I mean I'm, I'm gonna be real with you. Like, I mean, he's no Ron Rivera. Let's say that. And one of my biggest criticisms with Ron Rivera is he was just gray with everything. Never yeah. took a stand for this or that. He he didn't want to be perceived wrong in public. I, I, I actually I'm actually coming around on Matt Rule. I I don't mind him. He, he's changing things up. It seems like he's listening to players. And he's acting off that change and collaborating with, with uh, Herney and and, and Tepper. Kyle, yeah, you got? I think uh, you know one of the, the when they brought Matt Rule in, one of the things Tepper said was he wanted a, pe- a pe- people person coach, which was something that Ron Rivera was. But Ron Rivera 
was tied at the hip to the old regime of that. That's why they had that gray area. And plus, Ron Rivera is has been a part of the NFL for 40 years. He sees the NFL as like a business, whereas Matt Rule, coming from the college ranks, sees players as players, not not yeah. just these paychecks that go out on the field. And I think that when you can you can see. I'm sure Matt Rule went out to practice and saw that his players, 80-something right now, predominantly black, they're hurting. Right. Black people are hurting right now. Which we're going to get to in a second, but go yeah. ahead, yeah. So I think he saw that and said, you know what, it, why why even practice? This is so insignificant. And I think moves like that, yes, that is going to endear Matt Rule to the players at least, and to the fans, depending on how well the Panthers do. If the, the Panthers if the Panthers are the worst team in the league, no one's going to care about <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and look, and, and that's just the truth. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, but as for, for, from that standpoint, it's it's so just, um, I don't know if it's amusing or what, the, the shift, the culture shifts in the old regime and the new regime. Tepper and Rule versus Rivera slash John Fox. And, and Kaiser, real quick, does it not look drastically different already? Yeah. Am I alone in saying that? Yeah, it's 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 almost night and day. I, I mean, we're 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 not even we're not even at the start of the season, at the start of the next season yet, and yet it looks drastically different. And I just, I and, and, you know, with, with us being in such an extraordinary uh, situation right now, it'll be it'll be tough to see how this all plays out with fans. And right. crowds and all this other stuff. So we don't. We're not going to really get the whole gist of what that would look like. But I'm interested in, in seeing how that is going to look if we ever return back to quote unquote normal, normal again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't. I don't think we'll ever go back to There's how no normal. It was. Uh, we'll try and gain some semblance of that. But uh, I, I like w- what Matt Rule's doing. Even I, and I don't get the idea that it's, it's disingenuous. I don't think it's just for show. I right. Think Coming from from college, he feels like, hey, these are his guys, and and he knows to have a, a high operating football team, you've got mm-hmm. to be mentally in the game as well. Yeah. So right. uh, so kudos to him. Right now, um, on to lighter news for a second here. Um, Matt Rule led a scrimmage this weekend, guys. I don't know if we knew this or not, but guess what, guys? Fan Fest was this week. Who who knew? Raise your hand. Nobody. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, me neither. So, so um, so I, I'm in one of my uh chat groups on Facebook, and one of my friends says, "Hey man, y'all watch the Fan Fest?" I'm like, "Fan Fest? Well, excuse me." <laughs> so I click on TV. I said, "Well, I guess because we host a Charlotte sports podcast, I guess I better watch this thing." But the question is, fellas, <laughs> why was Fan Fest so under promoted? Did you watch anything? How come we didn't know about it? Who wants to take this one? I, it, to, to me, it it had been kind of hard to promote it because you don't know what type of what what, what level of fan engagement you're going to get throughout the year. Uh, you you don't you don't even know if you, you're gonna you don't even know the capacity limit for the stadium, and we're like less than a month away from the season starting. Yeah, and it's just like it's like they're playing, but it's just like are they really playing? And it's just like. There, there, there's no preseason games to, to to hype it up and to gauge where you really are. And right, right, right. It's 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 it's, it's, it's convoluted. It's a lot. Yeah, Kyle, what you got? I think the Panthers kind of dropped the ball on this, but only because we're still adjusting to this new normal. It's hard yeah. to know how to promote things nowadays. Um, let's say you decide to do a live event, and you say, okay, we're gonna allow, we're only gonna allow 300 people in the stadium. What you're going to get is 25,000 people all crowded in front of Bank of America Stadium during a global pandemic, mm-hmm. 15,000 of which won't be wearing masks. Right. Nobody's going to catch COVID. Somebody's going right. to die. And you know what the media is going to say? The Carolina yeah. Panthers then killed somebody. So, <laughs> right. Right. So I think those concerns, they just didn't know how to navigate around those concerns. So they just said, you know what? Just just forget it. Just We'll just do Fan Fest. If people come to it or watch it, great if not we got bigger issues to worry about yeah well let, let, let me tell y'all something i i actually i actually enjoyed the fact they televised it um 
I, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this is the first televised fan fest ever. And that was pretty cool. It would have been cool if I would have known about it, you know, maybe a couple of hours early and I could have caught the whole thing. But <clears throat> I used to go to fan fest before it became a thing. Right. And, and meaning cool. before, before 2015, basically, before you know, and I, right, right. Exactly. And, and, and I used to love those fan fests because you would get about mm, four or five thousand people. It would be comfortable. You didn't have to fight for tickets. You know what I mean? And it was just a very comfortable thing to see. You know, the kids were, were heavily engaged. There wasn't this big fireworks show that they do now and all this other stuff that they had going on. It was just a cool way for you to see a real practice. Yeah. Um, you know, before just all this COVID stuff happened, Fan Fest became something else. It almost became a damn game. It became this thing. We got to fight for tickets. You got to fight traffic. You got to fight people. It's 55,000 people showing up for a practice. And and it really just turned me off in the in the, in the going. You know what I mean? I, I actually was like, I'd rather just sit this one out. It's just not. I don't want to go through all that just to go watch a practice. Yeah, <laughs> you I know haven't what been I mean? to fan fest since the Super Bowl season because I knew that next season it was going to be impossible Nuts. to go. And then they started charging for tickets, which they Five went back two. on because then people people were scalping. Fan fest tickets. Y'all, <laughs> it's a practice. It's a how how low can you practice. go, man? Right, yeah, right, right. So, um, so yeah, I think they dropped the ball on that. It'll be different next year. It's it's a weird year for sports. Um, even the bubble just seems kind of weird to me. You know, I watched the game yeah. last yeah. night. I so couldn't even finish just, the game last night. You know, here here's there. Just I'm just for like thirty seconds. I'm going to. Slightly different direction, but there was some talk about if centered around LeBron, if LeBron James wins the championship, does do you put an asterisk behind? behind uh, at first, I was like, no, but yeah, you do. Whoever wins the championship this year, you, you throw a big asterisk by it. The reason being is this is not NBA basketball. It is not. I'm sorry, <laughs> it's, it's not. It, it doesn't look like it. It, it no, really it doesn't. doesn't it looks like a high level Y game. It, there's no there's no defense and what we're seeing now is the influence of the crowd and the way the refs interact with the players now without there being a real crowd there or a real home court advantage it is affecting these games when the Lakers shoot a, a million in two free throws <laughs> to the Blazers three there I mean home court advantage doesn't matter anymore that which is a big, which is a big, big thing to me. And, and, Kyle, and Kyle, let me cut you off real quick. You know, it's funny you say that because the the lack of a home court advantage, in my opinion, has had an adverse effect. I actually thought before the bubble started that the lack of a home court advantage would be beneficial to the lesser teams, and it turns out it it's been the total opposite because of everything you said, man. And that's it, it's interesting you 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 said that because it's like, well, you know. Such and such doesn't have the referees on their side uh, this year. And actually, they do, and they have them a little yeah. more. Actually, you know, not not speaking of any teams or, or that's players, that's but the big reason why the players boycotted. And real quick, yeah. re really, really quickly, man, I, I think this is understated. I, and I, we got to wrap this up because we got a topic I really want to get to. But I'm not sure if you guys saw this article that came out about Paul George was saying that he was experiencing some depression some anxiety because of this bubble environment. I my opinion is that I'm almost positive he's not the only one. I, I'm, I'm oh, almost no. positive no. there are some players who just have not adjusted to the bubble lifestyle. You get what I'm saying? You're not in your own bed. You're in some strange campus. You got to order out stuff. You get caught for trying to for trying to go get wings in Atlanta, you know, you have all this stuff that you, you don't have, have to your do. thoughts anymore. You don't have you don't have those anymore. Someone who did eight years in the military mm -hmm. that gets to you after a while. Absolutely. You know, well, deployment mentality. Because essentially, the, the players are like on a deployment. You can't go nowhere. Um, it, it's and I think if if the NBA season was regular, mm -hmm. I don't think the players would have boycotted. There would have. I don't been, think so either. There would have been a protest like we've seen uh, in past seasons, but I don't think they would have just walked off the court like like the Bucks did. But the fact that I don't think the players are fully engaged with engaged, I don't. Mind. Yeah, I totally agree with that, man. Yeah, and so I think they were just like, man, this this is BS. I, why am I playing this? I'm not playing. And I think we may see that in the NFL as well. 
I think we've seen it in the NHL with the NHL playoffs. It's just sports is weird right now. Yeah. Uh, Roddy, before we move on, did you have any other thoughts about that? Nah. All right. So this is a topic I really wanted to get to, man. And, you know, we, we, got, a li- we got a little bit of time left on the show, and I'm going to try my best not to be long-winded about this. Simple question, fellas. Are we mentally just exhausted? When I say we are black people mentally exhausted, I tell yeah. you what, guys, just from, per- to per- from personal experience this week, I have heard from a lot of my friends that I have not heard from in a long time. We had lengthy discussions and the commonality between all these conversations that I've been having with people on Twitter, my personal friends on Facebook is we're just tired. We are. Listen, just in this in this last two weeks, we didn't even talk about the year. okay? because we can go on a long tangent by everything that's happened in 2020. We you know, the Jacob Blake shooting, the, the NBA protests. We lost Chadwick Boseman uh, over the weekend. We lost Clifford Robinson, uh, who was a former NBA player. COVID-19 is still going on. We still got people acting like it ain't a damn pandemic going on because they're out snapping selfies on Instagram during the damn pandemic. Don't get me started. All this stuff going on on top of just life. Guys, is everyone just drained? Um. I would encourage people to uh, get in contact with Justin Perry and uh, Brandon Risher <laughs> for real <laughs> to, talk to, to, uh, to talk. I mean, hey man, I have a therapist. I'm I'm half crazy. I'm from Charleston. Uh, we know we crazy. So I mean, I mean, it's it's just a lot going on, man. It's 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 like every week. It's like every week something new happens, and then you you always have to argue online, fighting for your humanity. Basically fighting. Uh, well, he just complied, and you show somebody a video of somebody of another race not complying, and 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 the outcome is totally different. And they act like, oh, we don't, I don't understand. And it's just like, and then and then and then like people that you know, that 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 that, that you've actually known before, and like they come out saying stuff, and you looking at them crazy now, like where, where the hell did this come from? It's 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 a lot, man. It's it's it's. I mean, I, I've I've I, I, I've had I had a family member that died of COVID like two three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, uh, I had cousins and my my dad had COVID, um, and then and then on top of that, you got people still unemployed right out here, and you, and, and it's a lot of black people unemployed. I mean, you you guys know the saying, first last one hired, first one fired. Absolutely. I mean, it's 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 just a lot to process. To, the process sometimes, and 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 I'm I'm going to advocate for people to to go talk to somebody, and 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 if you can afford it, please go talk to a therapist. Yeah, Kaiser, what you got? Um, sixty years ago, James Baldwin said something to the effect of "To be a, a Negro in America and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage all of the time." Mm-hmm. Man, that it that just feels. Right, like one of the most profound quotes ever because I just feel angry all the time. Even my wife, why you look so angry all the time? Like, look what the hell I got to smile for. (laughs) What the fuck you smiling for? You crazy? Every every day is something else to be mad at, and especially with uh, social media the way that it is. Fortunately, I uh, I've gone into comment section rehab. I haven't gone into comment don't, section. Don't go. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. For a month now. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Congratulations, sir. One day at a time. Hopefully, hopefully, I'll be following you out pretty soon because I haven't gotten there yet. So, I, no, I, I look. I, I don't. I look. I don't want to torture myself. I refuse to look no, at comment yeah, section. It's 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 ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and then it is. I mean, the hits just keep on coming. But then sometimes, but but I think about it. You have to put things into perspective. When I think about what our parents went through, yeah, I mean, absolutely, it, in they, in real in real time, not yeah, not yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yes, they went through these same things, but they didn't have a lot of the uh, the first luxuries that we yeah. have to soften the blow. So for that, I'm thankful. That doesn't mean that uh, the things that we go through are any less important than the struggles that our parents went through, but it, it does put things into into perspective. When I hear my dad tell stories about, you know, he was one of the first people in Rock Hill, one of the first black kids to go to a non-segregated school in 
and the things that he went through in that experience. Things like, you know, go through, hey, don't don't go outside. Uh, black people, the, the street, be inside before the street lights come on. That's that, the purpose behind yeah, that. that. Yeah, there was a purpose behind that. You know, don't, don't mm. go outside. The clan, the clan going to get you, you know. Uh, you know, those are the things that our parents had to deal with. And then they look on the TV and our black leaders are being shot and killed and lynched. And, you know, nothing's, nothing's changed except that now we see it uh, through the lens of social media. Which Kaza, Kaza you, have, you have children, man. And, and I want you to imagine something. <clears throat> imagine, imagine your children are still small and you are teaching them math. And you say, hey, little Johnny, whatever. And you say... One plus one is two. And Johnny keeps coming back and saying, no, dad, it's three. And you look at him like, no, son, I'm telling you, it's two. And, and he constantly comes back and say, no, dad, it's three. That's exactly how I feel when it comes to black people trying to explain the, our plight. It's, it's, uh, it's like the truth is just getting altered. And it's just like the, the it's like people but are living in a different reality. Is, yeah, those people know that they one know is really two. But that, that's the, that's my point. That is the most frustrating part of, about everything that has been going on. It's just like, how many discussions do we have to have? How many times does a Jacob Blake situation, and luckily Jacob Blake is still alive with us, but how many times does that have to happen? And, and it's just, you get to a point where you're just like, how can I explain anymore? And why do I? Why what, do I even try to? What amuses me? Is that these people that would argue against our plight will only use context and nuance to argue against our plight. Mm. Any other time, they any other time, context and nuance. But then suddenly, when it's convenient, uh, well, we out. have to look at things from all perspectives. Perspective. Well, no, no, we don't. Not, not really. Not, not when the only perspective is human rights versus oppression. That's those are those are the the, the two. Uh, perspectives. Yes, there is a little bit of gray in the middle, but you really have to. You you got to pick a side. You got to pick a side. And, yeah. Um, I gotta know what side you're on. So. And and, and, and then one thing that was interesting yesterday, man. I, I went down to my wife's family house, uh, down down in South Carolina. I was talking to my wife's grandfather, and like he's 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 80, 81, and it's just like. We talk about the Jackie Robinson. We were looking at the Jackie Robinson story, mm-hmm. and like he he was telling stories about how his mom used to work in the kitchen, and how he was in the back, and only white people could be in in there and sit in certain areas and stuff like that. And like, and 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 I just automatically thought of everything that he's seen in this world, and like how things have changed, but not really have changed to him. Right. And, 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 and it's just it's just kind of frustrating at this point, man. It's just like, where do we go from here? It's like we protest peacefully. You don't like it. We kneel. You don't like it. We uh, tear shit up. You don't like it. What do you want us to do? <laughs> you want us to just sit there and be quiet? And, and just yes. Yeah. That's what yeah. yeah that, yes. Yes. I mean, that, well, that ain't happening. <laughs> too bad, right? Yeah. Guys, uh, I wish we had more time for this topic. I really do, because uh, Lord knows we could have a whole nother show about this topic. But real quickly, we want to end this on a lighthearted note. Guys, what are your top five favorite places to eat in Charlotte, North Carolina? I'll go first. Yeah. Nappy Chef. One. Gayu uh, Keiko is a, a Japanese barbecue place. Uh, uh, Haberdish. I like average. Uh, uh, Londa's, because it's close to the crib, support black businesses. And I'm going to be bougie. Uh, Chima's. Chima's all right, man. A little overrated, but I got hey, you. Man, oh, only I'll say Chima's. I like Brazilian steakhouses. I'm glad that's become a thing. Chima's, uh, Portofino's. If, if someone says, hey, Lord. yeah, we get Italian, we go into Portofino's. Uh, chicken bucket is actually my favorite chicken okay. in the city. It's in Mount Holly. Um, I, you know, I'm a fried chicken guy, so that's where I go. Um, barbecue. If, if we're talking restaurants, the Improper Pig, although the the owner is not like 
he's not going to be on my favorite people's list anytime soon. But their barbecue ribs, uh, improper pig and pots in Cotswold is really good. And then I'm going to say any place that's run or owned by Scott Blackwood. Right. Shout out to Scott Blackwood, man. Killer Bees. Yeah. Yeah. Killer Bees food truck, the Bottle Tree in Belmont, and he used to run the String Bean in Belmont, which is a man. Their their burgers are. Yeah, String Bean. But um, but any place that he's involved in, go there. Go. Oh, shout out to What the Fries food truck, man. Yeah, they had their celebration yesterday, right? Yep, and and then shout out to Rib Man too. No doubt, no doubt, Rib Man. Rib Man, yeah. All right. Uh, Midwood Smokehouse. Um, what else? Uh, why am I drawing a blank here, man? Uh, God, what is the what is the Caribbean place on Bay Four Road? Help me out, guys. Caribbean uh, Tropical Goodies. Tropical Goodies. Uh, that is close to the crib, so they 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 always get my business. Um, what else we got? We got. It's not Cowfish, but what's the other one downtown? Uh, God, man, Burger, huh? You, sushi spot? No, 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 man. Oh, God, I can't think of it, man. It, it's it's a burger place downtown. It's a it's a spinoff of Cowfish, but it's not Cowfish. Cowbell, sorry, Cowbell. Cowbell. I, I, let, let me tell y'all something about Cowbell. Cowbell has the best bourbon selection I have ever seen in my life, and their burgers are awesome. Trust me on that one, man. Okay. Um, number four, God, man. I don't know if I can finish these next two, man, because those are the only three places I eat. So. <laughs> um, what, oh, uh, Jamal, Jamal, what woman house you like to eat at? Just name the two women house you like to eat oh, at. Oh, you, you, you got, you got <laughs> joke. One of those is uh, Lafia. She's watching. She could cook her ass off. So anyway, uh, uh, other two restaurants, man. Let me think about this, man. Uh, Lenny's Barbecue, and uh, it's in Noda, kind of, sorta. Um, it's I forget the name of the street it's on, but it's like I said, it's kind of Noda in Noda a little bit. Last one, I will probably say, and it's funny because it's not necessarily because of the food. It's more so because of the place. <laughs> I'm going to say Whiskey Warehouse. I just like the environment more than yeah. I like the food, if that makes sense. You just like whiskey. Hey, you just like whiskey. Quick, I do like whiskey. To, I love whiskey. Uh, to the yummy crab on Tyvola. Hmm. Uh, yes, very, very good broiled seafood. They could oh, I've been there. I've been there. Yes. You know, at the wing stop. Yes, okay. kind of, sort of. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's, absolutely. It's right where Sonny's barbecue. Sonny's barbecue. Yeah, got you. Yeah, and that that place is excellent, man. I co-signed that. I, I've been there and once. Also, uh, Mr. Three's Crab Pot on yep. Hopkins Road. Very similar style food. Two real good seafood. Shout out to all the soul food restaurants that are still shout out to the ones. Uh, with all that this, this, this going on. Yeah, well, I <laughs> I went to Sunset Soul Food. I wanted to go. They looked like they was closed down. I was very sad. Someone told me it was just temporary, though. Okay. But um, so shout to any soul food place still up and going. No doubt. All right, guys. Shout outs. Shout ats. What you got? Uh, just simple, man. Just uh, just just a shout out to all the mental health professionals out here helping people, man. Uh, if you need some help, seek it. Please seek it. Uh, yeah. don't deal with things uh yourself. Uh. Just I just heard a couple people who committed suicide recently. Uh, you don't have to go to the trouble by yourself. Yeah. And also shout out to uh, the family of Chadwick Bozeman uh, and uh, and Cliff Robinson. Yeah, Kaz, what you got? Absolutely. No, that's that covers it for me. Chadwick Bozeman, South Carolina native. Yeah, they're actually gonna fly the flags at half mass for him Monday, and then give the flags to his family. Great nice. gesture. Uh, unbelievable that he acted and produced seven movies while battling cancer over wow. a four-year period. That yeah. that makes me feel bad about all the projects that I never finished. So now I'm like, so I took that as inspiration. Like, damn, I need to get up off my ass and actually do this do guy was was dying and uh we didn't even know it. Also well, shout, I, shout I, I, to his to his circle, which kept kept that secret. Secret. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I, I was going to say, hell, man, I barely wanted to do the podcast because I was just so tired today. I was like, man, it's, you know, I have no excuse, man. But anywho, man, uh, obvious shout out and rest in peace to, um, <clears throat> to Chadwick Boseman, man, who we're, we're seeing just exactly how much of an inspirational figure he really was, man. The outpour of love that I've that I've seen 
uh, you know, the last couple of days because of his death, man, is just it, it's profound, man. And it's well deserved. You know what I mean? Just everyone, you know, all the celebrities that have came come in contact with him and said how much of a, just a, a pleasant human being he was and, you know, how endearing he was, and just how inspirational he was, man. So, uh, again, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Also, rest in peace to UConn fam, Clifford Robinson, man. Uh, I've Again, man, come, you know, y'all know I'm a UConn fan and I've seen him. Early in his career, man. So that was just a, a, a sad one to go through as well. I love with him, man. Um, being alive. Yeah, no doubt. He can shoot that three, man. Three, and, uh, yep. Last, and I hate to end it on a negative note, but shout at to Tucker Carlson. What a piece of shit you are, dude. I the fact that anyone could pull anything out their ass and defend this little boy who shot two people at a protest. I'm gonna keep it short and simple. It, it, it it's just it's beyond all logic. I I just have no more words for that, man. So shout out to Tucker Carlson, man. But to end it on a positive note, shout out to everyone watching, shout out to everyone subscribed to the YouTube channel. Guys, we are on Spotify now. We are getting more and more big time. Shout out to Rodney. Shout out to Rodney for making that happen, man. So y'all check us out. Continue to check us out on YouTube. We're on Spotify. We're on we're still on Anchor. Thank you for the support, fellas. It was as it's real as always, man. Y'all be good to the next time, bros. Oh, shout out to uh, rest in peace to Lute Olsen till we forgot him. No, rest in peace, Lute Olsen. I that just slipped my mind. I do apologize. Peace out, y'all. Peace out. Peace in the Middle East.